Well, Remembrance Day is tomorrow. And one of the things that I found most um, eye-opening would be the word. It's also shocking when you speak to veterans is how many people they know who've taken their own lives. You know, there's always help, right? There's always a number to call. There's always help out there. But so many veterans, so many veterans know veterans who've taken their own lives. And it's a cause, you know, it's something that they struggle to try to find answers for. Um, so one gentleman in Edmonton has set out to do something. Uh, several years ago, he established something called the Rucksack March for Remembrance in Edmonton. Uh, just last week, the fifth year of it, it wasn't held all five years, I don't believe, because of COVID, but the fifth year since it uh, since it was first launched, a large group got together. They set out on a 22-kilometer march carrying a 22-kilogram backpack or rucksack. That's about 50 pounds. Uh, the number... Number 22 is no coincidence. It refers to a U.S. study that found on average about 22 veterans die by suicide daily there. Uh, so the Rucksack March is about raising awareness. It's also about raising money for Wounded Warriors Canada. Many of the things, many of the programs, uh, they have many programs. One of them, they provide surrounds mental health. In fact, they have many different programs about mental health, including for families. Um, and also to help those who struggle with the realities and stigma around mental health and workplace stress. It was, again, first organized in 2017 uh, by an Edmonton firefighter and veteran Ian Hall. Now, he realized that what he saw and what he coped with as a veteran was what he was also seeing in the first responder community. So extended it to also include raising awareness about uh, mental health struggles and workplace stress for job-related stress for first responders as well as veterans. Uh, so as we prepare for this Remembrance Day, a reminder that so many battle scars, so many scars are invisible. And we're just, just learning, I think, of late, just how detrimental those invisible scars can be. So hats off to those who are out there raising awareness, raising money, and making sure that there are, even in a gathering like the Rucksack March, that there is a place for people to get together and talk to each other about what ails them. Joining me now is Ian Hall. He is a Canadian Forces veteran, now a firefighter at Edmonton, as I was mentioning. He's an ambassador for Wounded Warriors Canada and, of course, organizer of the Edmonton Rucksack March for Remembrance. Ian Hall, thank you. Thanks for having me on today. Tell me about the Rucksack March for Remembrance, because there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of symbolism to it. Uh, and also, I, I imagine, a story behind why you decided it was necessary. So as you mentioned, I was a member of the Canadian Armed Forces for a number of years. Uh, along the way, I lost some friends to uh, addiction and unfortunately suicide. Uh, in 2015, there was a suicide of a member that I'd served with, and it kind of spurred a group of us on to uh, to create an event. It started as for us to get together, and then the thought was other people we served with could join in in their communities uh, and basically go for a walk. The Rucksack March if you look in military circles, has been around since military units had to move around the battlefield. And we thought it was an easy way for uh, something that guys remember serving or people remember serving. And uh, you mean they basically get together, they grab their backpack and they go with walks, walk with their friend. The other part that we kind of looked at was uh, the common trend you hear with uh, mental health is no one wants to talk, no one wants to listen. 
Well, when you're in a rucksack march for 22 kilometers, there's not much to do besides talk to the person next to you. And there's not much to distract your mind other than listen to the person next to you. So we thought it was a great opportunity to have people out and to talk. Once it started moving into the first responder circle, there was a lot of similarities. Uh, I mean, people found other great opportunities to kind of talk. Yeah, I, I mean, I guess what's the sense is always that that this needs to be talked about, right? That people yeah, need to listen yeah. to, and that and that when you yeah. lose someone close to you who you can identify with because they've you've been in their shoes and they've been in yours, yeah. that uh, you must ask yourself what what happened, and if only they had had someone to talk to. Yeah, exactly. And uh, uh, the great thing that we hear a lot of times uh, from people who come out to the event is that the friends they make along the way, right? You you might be standing next to your best friend when you're walking, or you might be standing next to a complete stranger. You mean, as you go, you talk, uh, you, mean, you might have some common interests, you make a buddy. And that's the other thing we, we wanted to look at is that a lot of times there's a feeling of isolation uh, with mental health, especially around depression. And, you know, now you're, you're out, you're going for a walk. Uh, you mean, you meet some new people, you meet a new friend, you know, even myself organizing, I've met some exceptional people along the way. We now have events started here in Edmonton. We had events this year in five other cities across the country. And just meeting with the organizers of those other events, uh, talking with them of how they got involved. You mean, there's some really inspirational stories out there. And you raise money as well, right? And part of this is to uh, is for a yeah. good cause. That's correct. So we're a fundraiser for Wounded Warriors Canada, which is a mental health charity for uh, veterans and first responders. So we, we kind of look at our event as twofold, is that uh, we give people an opportunity to kind of connect. And then we also, uh, you mean, raise money for, for a good cause. And the 22, the number 22 I was reading um, is, no, is no coincidence. That's correct. So I can't remember what year the study came out. I want to say it was around 2013, 2014, came out of the United States. The 22 veterans die by suicide every day, uh, which is a staggering number. Some people might remember the 22 push-up challenge that came out a number of years ago. Mm -hmm. uh, you'll see quite a lot of, you know, veteran movements grasp onto that 22. In Canada, obviously, the, the numbers are different. They still are incredibly high. Uh, the thing I always say is, is one is too many. If our work, if we can prevent one death by suicide, you know, especially you're talking about a fundraiser earlier, you know, attach a monetary value to that. It's almost impossible, Right. Um, that if we can if we can help someone along the way, if we can prevent that from happening, all our all our events up until today are are worth it. Uh, if we can change one life that way, right? Yeah, I mean, and and when one thinks, because you know, I, I spent time in Afghanistan, so we, we you know, obviously when he yeah. came back, it was talked about a lot more than I yeah. figured. Like certainly more than my grand, you know, people's grandparents ever did. Yeah. But I think sometimes there there is still a stigma there, though, isn't there? And there's, it's hard to pinpoint exactly where it comes from, but there is still a stigma there. Maybe not, you know, just being able to reach out and, and admit that you're in trouble. And I, I feel like that might be where, is that what you see? I mean, you're much closer to this than I am. And where does the stigma still exist and how does it impact uh, veterans and first responders? So there, there was a movement uh, that basically was getting people to register that if they died by suicide, they wanted it mentioned that they died by suicide. Not that, not that that's what they were thinking of, but they know that the community that they're in, that there is a possibility. So they wanted it, they wanted it advertised because then it brings, I mean, if we see, if it's put in front of us, it's put in front of our face, we, we see the numbers, we're able to calculate it and we know how high it is and we can get support into the areas where it's needed. 
I had a friend of mine, unfortunately, around this time last year that died by suicide. And one of the great things was, is that his widow wanted to people to know that that's how he died. Uh, in fact, at the funeral, she wanted the, uh, the public figures involved to understand the, the pressures that are, are within the lifestyle of the first responder veteran community. And for, the, for those of us in attendance who are in that community to, uh, to realize that it, it's always there. The uh, person that I knew in 2015 had died. If you had told me 20 years ago that that's how he was going to die, I, I would have said, absolutely not, not him. There's no way. You know I mean, he seemed to have everything figured out. He was a super happy guy, like not, not the person you would think, which is the other reason why we went and started doing things, because we figured if it can happen to him, it can happen to any one of us. We all need to take care of, take care of our minds, um, you know, do whatever we can for education for ourselves and our peers so that uh, this, this isn't our legacy. Yeah, I mean, when you describe it that way, I, I can't imagine what it must be. You must you must worry about because the scars are invisible, right? So you must worry about which of your friends or who who around you is suffering without saying. When you watch, like, I mean, we watch our our TV movies, especially now. There's a lot of they they insert the occupational stress injury, the post traumatic stress uh, injuries into a lot of you know military police TV shows, movies, and stuff like that. And you can you can see it coming when it's when it's dramatized, right? You're like, mm -hmm. oh, look at that! It, it's going to be this guy. This is what's going to happen. In my experience in real life, it's it's not like that. There there are a few signs here and there, but people are, are really good, especially people in the, these communities are really great at hiding stuff. Uh, they can mask it quite well. They can make it look like it's not there. So the, I mean, we've we've made some great strides. You know, peer support programs are great because you you're embedded with the people that you you work with. You know, having outreach numbers, having crisis hotlines are all fantastic things, but it's still getting around the whole it's okay to not be okay. You know, one of the, one of my mentors uh, as a firefighter was, was trapped in a building collapse. Uh, he took some time to, to get back to work, but he's honestly one of the best firefighters I've ever worked with in competency and, and caring level. Uh, so I, I always use him as an example of, you can come out the other side. You, you might not be in the, in the best place. Uh, you might you might need some help, but you can you can get that help and you can get back to where you were. I mean, there's the concern of like, oh, if I need to go off and get counseling or if I know I need to go to uh, get some mental health help that, that I'll never come back, that I'll be right. I'll be pushed to the side. But that's not the case. Like I've worked with some absolutely tremendous people who have gone, gotten help, come back to work and they're they're better than ever and they're unreal performers uh, in their job. What else needs to be done? Because I guess for a long time in these cases, Ian, we always look to sort of veterans affairs. We look to the government to try to help solve these problems. And I, I get the sense that that a lot of veterans have decided that that's just not going to work and that they have to do it themselves. Uh, and that's that's true. There is like uh, one of the things I always say at our, our events is I look forward to the day where I don't have to do this anymore. Not right. that I don't enjoy what I'm doing, but you know, I look forward to the day where we don't need charities to to raise money for uh, mental health initiatives for veterans and, and first responders, that it's something that's absolutely 100% covered across the board. The nice thing about working with the charitable organization is our proof of injury is, is much less. Like, you mean, if you look at, you mean, kind of the way it's looked at in other organizations, it's more done from, you mean, insurance company point of view of where... Right. You need you need to have a documented diagnosis. You need to have 
proof of exposure, et cetera, et cetera. Whereas, I mean, within the charity, one of the programs we have, the Warriors Kids Program, which is designed for children of uh, veterans and first responders with occupational stress, is that we, we don't require a diagnosis. That if, if you feel that your child can benefit from the program, then you can sign your child up. Uh, we, don't, we don't ask for why you think your child should attend or why you think that you're a candidate for this program. We think that if you feel this is something beneficial, well, then let's try and help you out. Yeah. Uh, the other thing I wanted to kind of talk about that you kind of mentioned was, you know, things that we can kind of look forward to or, or things that we can do to change is the other program that really drew me to Wounded Warriors was the BOSS program, which is uh, before operational stress. It's a program for police, fire, uh, EMS recruits, uh, people who are thinking of joining the military. And it's a program that basically describes, you mean occupational stress injuries. They talk about the physical changes that happen to your brain when you have traumatic exposures, especially prolonged or repeated traumatic exposures. And it talks about, you know, maintaining a window of tolerance, how to be aware of yourself when things are changing. You mean why you're going to be drawn to poor coping mechanisms, other coping mechanisms to try and expand your, your, uh, your repertoire of ways to keep yourself healthy. And to me, that's, that is what we we need to look for to the future. I mean, Wounded Warriors has a lot of programs for a post, like after you have post-traumatic stress, what to do. Uh, the Legion, OSCAN uh, has some great stuff. There's a lot of places out there that have, I mean, what to do after. But Wounded Warriors, the, as I said, the thing that drew me to them was like, let's not get there. Uh, you mean, prevention is always easier than the cure. So if we can, if we can get people to take access to these programs, allow them to have it before they start their career, you mean maybe we can decrease the number of mental health injuries and also decrease the, the suicides and addictions that come out the other side if they're not addressed properly. Ian Hall, uh, we'll leave it at that. Thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it. Yeah. No, thank you.